All right. What's up, everybody? This is KJ Kearney of Black Food Fridays. I am one half of the Fix Your Plate podcast. My better half, Anella Malik, will not be joining us today. As the as we're recording this, she is putting the finishing touches on her book. And so she has been sequestered away working on that, which is perfectly fine with me because I'm the one who said we need to talk to the Black nutritionist. I started following uh, the good doctor online maybe four or five months ago, and I'm just enamored with her work. And so uh, before we get started, you need to know that the Fix Your Plate podcast is a proud member of the Eat, Drink and Dine Network. And yeah, of course, I already I spilled the beans because I'm so excited. I'm happy to talk to our guests. So those are the people who do not follow the Black Nutrition List online. How about you give them a brief introduction about who you are and how you got into becoming a nutritionist in the first place? Yeah, that's a good question. So hello, everyone. I'm Kara and I'm on it. So I created a platform called The Black Nutritionist and I wanted through this platform to empower Black women and the Black community on how to better nurture their bodies uh, by really letting go the food guilt and shame and I do this by really centering on the cultural foods of the African diaspora so that we can restore sustainable and positive eating habits. Um, and I do this because what I wanted to do is to, when I thought about, okay, what do you want to do with all your degrees? <laughs> I'm like, I wanted to lead a movement where marginalized bodies are treated with respect and have access to culturally relevant and nutritious foods, because when I started to work, I realized this wasn't the case. So just to tell you a little bit more about my story, I grew up in France. I'm born in the US, Michigan, but I grew up in France okay. um, with a Caribbean mother and an African father. Food has always been an important way of connecting with my cultural identity. It was, you know, it was a black family, so food is important, but it was more than important, honestly. And, but the other side of the story is that growing up in a black family, I was also raised to be very conscious of the importance of having a rigid control uh, of my food intake. And my parents have always been a little bit obsessed and I'm trying to be nice in just in case they listen to the podcast right. with <laughs> and eating because um, I have to say my mother, she's been dieting most of her life. I was personally brought to the doctor at 13 because I put on weight and I, it was my first diet. So I've always been super like, you know, I was raised to think about weight and nutrition and it definitely paved the way to my career as a nutritionist. I'm not gonna lie. I eventually picked up on this obsession with food and body image, but I was safe because I grew up in France in an in a area which is very big on agriculture. And so I didn't do the standard curriculum. I started by studying food and agricultural science and it really changed my perspective on food because, you know, for example, my first internship was in a farm. I connected with food, understand where the food was coming from. You know, I started to kind of respect food, you know, and see it as something to value and not just a tool to change my body's shape or my body's weight. And um, it definitely helped me reframe, I would say, my relationship with food. And then yeah. when I pursued with a master in nutrition, when I pursued with a master in nutrition, um, I was ready and I felt that it really, it really, it was a, it's a big impact. It has a big impact. And even the way I teach clients and I coach clients, I use a lot of the things I've, I've learned. Mm -hmm. However, during my nutrition training, 
I noted that the nutrition curriculum was centered around Eurocentric foods. I mean, mm. so wait a minute yeah. now. Let's 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 dive into that a little bit. You said your training uh, was focused on Eurocentric foods. Now, when you say centered on, you're talking about like the foods they suggest you eat, the foods you suggest they stay away. Like, what do you mean by that? I mean, the food we study, the example, are always. You know, if, for example, so some people would say, yeah, but France, France, I don't know if you've ever been, It's a, there are a lot of different communities and there is a large black communities because of the colonialism of France. And so I never know, it was only focused, hyper-focused on the food eaten by white household. And to be honest with you, sometimes in, I remember one time I had to go to the supermarket and like, what is this thing? Like, I don't even know what they're talking about and, and, and kind of study to understand, okay, this is it. I didn't even know some of, some of the food. So it was great, honestly. At the, when I was there, I, I, I found it super interesting. But then when I started to work, I, I started to see the, the consequences of this ignore because it wasn't just about focus on Eurocentric food. It's a complete ignorance and misunderstanding and I would say, yeah, dismissal of other yeah. people's food cultures. Okay, well, before, because I, I have so many questions, <laughs> I, I told I told Kira I was gonna wait until we did the podcast to give her her flowers so that everyone can hear them. One of the reasons why I appreciate what you're doing online is, well, I, I have more than one reason, but I'll give you a couple. Number one is that you are tackling a subject that a lot of black people uh, do not see themselves in, in terms of the academic side of food, right? So I've never met, you're the first black nutritionalist I've ever met in my entire life, right? And I think that would be the same for a lot of black people. Like they don't really get to meet a lot of nutritionalists that look like them. So that's number one, that's what I appreciated. The second thing I appreciated was that you create content that is completely devoid of the white gaze. <laughs> what I mean by that is I feel like you're creating content that is for me to enjoy and for me to learn and not like, oh, I got to do a blacked up version of what I learned in school. That's why I love you. And I think that's why y'all will love her. So I'm going to go ahead and plug her right now. If you haven't already, follow her on Instagram, black.nutritionalist. And let's start off with an easy question, or at least I hope it's an easy question. I don't want to try to trap you. You know, we just start. We just started talking. What is the difference between a nutritionalist and a dietitian? Is it are there a diff? Is there a difference, or is it is it the same thing with different terms? Or let's start with that. Yeah. So it's nutritionist and dietitian. So yeah, there is a difference in the U.S. I would say it's very U.S. Because um, I'm trained in France, so. In the U.S., the dietitian curriculum is a very strong curriculum where someone's going to have a nutrition course and an internship, and they're going to pass an exam that's going to say that they're, you know, they, they, it's not only a degree, it's also a license. And so that's as a dietitian, they can work with insurance. A nutritionist, so a dietitian is a nutritionist by, by default, but a nutritionist can also be someone who has a six-week training in nutrition, it can be someone with a master. And personally, so I'm not a dietitian. I'm not trained in the U.S. I could go and get my certification, but I don't. I just think I don't need it. Yeah, you don't need that. <laughs> but I have a, personally I have a PhD in nutrition, which makes me like um, the highest, uh, I would say, degree in, in nutrition. And I want to say, 
that it's something I'm proud of to have that PhD in nutrition. It's something that gives me power. However, it's something a lot of the thing I do and a lot of the work I've done was about actually challenging everything I've learned. So as I'm proud to be a doctor, I'm also aware that <clears throat> a lot of the thing I use is coming not from my PhD. It's coming from my, my family, what I've learned. It's coming from reading Black chef, bleeding, reading Black women, feminist. This is where I'm coming from. And I use the technique I've, used, I've learned at school. I use a technique, right? But the core of my program and the core of what I do is not coming from that. And mm -hmm. it's important to say, so it's a big debate in the nutrition world, dietitian already, especially in the US, very attached to that degree because through some people, especially on social media, are giving bad nutrition advice based right, on, right. you know, and I understand that. But at the same time, I want to say that the reason why you said you never saw a black nutritionist is also because the, di the dietetic field is super white and mm. it has been kept. So, you know, I, it's to think about. But yeah, when you work with someone, it's important to make sure um, you understand where is the person coming from yeah. and what's, what's his or her background. I, I will say... Um, I came across your account at a very interesting time. Earlier this year, I went to the doctor and my doctor was like, bro, you got to lose some weight. And I'm going to be fair. My doctor was absolutely right. Um, I, I had like back pain, my hips hurt, like all kind of crazy stuff. Right. Um, Black Food Fridays is awesome, but uh, it could be hazardous to your health if you don't watch it. You know what I mean? And so. Uh, I was like, all right, cool. Like, what should I do? And I'm from Charleston. I, I identify as a Gullah Geechee person. So my ancestry comes from the West Coast of Africa, which is known as the Rice Coast. So we eat rice pretty much every <laughs> single day, right? And the first thing she told me that I cannot eat was rice. And I told her, bruh, I'll stop eating meat. I'll stop drinking. I'll stop doing whatever you want me to do. Please don't make me give up rice. I don't want to give up rice. She's like, well, you don't have to give it up, but you're going to have to decrease the amount you eat. And I'm like, all right, cool. And then she's like, I want you to do this Mediterranean diet. And I was like, <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know much about the Mediterranean, but I don't know if I want to eat like that. So I'm going to modify this on my own. And she's like, cool. But if you don't lose weight and your blood pressure isn't lower by the next checkup, then I'm going to put you on some pills. I was like, great. I don't want to be on pills. And I swear the very next day I came across your account. Right. And then you had that reel that was like the streets, the streets is calling my name. This <laughs> And you was talking about rice and how, you know, we don't have to give up rice that, you know, everything in moderation, but you don't have to give up your cultural cuisine and just that inspired me. And I lost like 25 pounds in, in a month and a half just eating. And I didn't feel like I was giving up everything. You know, I made better food choices. I still ate rice. I just didn't eat it every day of the week. You know what I mean? And I stayed away from some things that I know doesn't help. So let's talk about that. If you don't mind, Kira, let's talk about, your your work in making sure that black people understand that their cultural cuisine is not a death trap, right? Because that's how we, me and Anella did a podcast a couple of weeks ago about how CNN had this article about the the Southern diet 
is like the worst diet of all time. It ain't nothing but a bunch of black people in the South. So I know y'all talking about us. So Kira, <laughs> let's 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 use your degree and let's explain why that is so harmful to black people to just say everything y'all eat is super dangerous. Yeah, so I would say first of all, it's false. Like we have to say that that's that's not true. But what I see, I see so the consequences of what I see that a lot of black people feel like nutrition and improving eating habits is impossible for them. That, that's what I see. And so they think that to be healthy or to take care of their bodies, they have to give up everything they learn. They think that their culture is, um, is something to be not ashamed of, but is a problem. And so how, how do you really want to nurture yourself, nurture your body if you think everything you are? Because food is much more than just food, okay? Mm-hmm. It's who you are. So everything that you are, you learn all the tradition are actually killing you. And especially when you leave, when you saw family, you already more. So what I've noticed working with um, the black community in comparison to the white community is that we are much more aware of health conditions. Um, we know we talk about diabetes, we understand very well what it means and how it can impact our life because we saw uncle, we saw grandmother, we saw our parents suffering with that. And so there is a lot of fear and so, uh, but at the same time, when you start to change habit and you work because nutrition, when it's not easy, it takes time, but they fail because they can't, you know, it's not the culture, it's not the habit, they don't like the taste, they don't like bland food, I don't blame them. And so they feel like, okay, I can't do that, I'm a failure, I will never be right, my body is right, everything about me is, is wrong. And it just keeps fueling a cycle of shame and it's not helpful, it doesn't work. It doesn't work to build sustainable eating habits. And so, that's for me the consequence. Yes. And I talk about this a lot. I talk a lot about the the, the the shame and the guilt and how it's really unnecessary. And it's actually a, how you say, it's counterproductive. Um, because the way nutrition recommendations are presented are biased. It's biased because people presenting them mm-hmm. are white and they are mm. serving white people. Yep. And they don't really care. They don't really care. Let, let's be honest. Preach, and there preach. is that... <laughs> and there is that white interpretation of black food ways, you know. Um, you know, there is a diversity of food, high in fat, high in sugar, high in carbs in every culture. And presenting the black culture, black cultural food as only one thing is really mis- misleading, misinformed. And this is and this article you just mentioned, it's really the problem. Like you call southern diet um sodas. And what and fried food and that's what yeah. you call the southern diet. That's not okay. That's uh, that's actually terrible. When I saw that article, it took me a week to recover, honestly, like mm, personally, I, I because I'm... That. it was harsh. And and you know, one of the things that I told Anella when I saw the article is, I'll accept this article when I see something written about Italian cuisine or Polish cuisine, right? Like. No one has that negative energy for anyone else's cuisine but ours. Oh, and our brown brothers and sisters, right? Um, our Mexican brothers and sisters, our Hispanic brothers and sisters. Like, our basically, if you have melanin in your skin, your cuisine is being vilified. And so that's why I think your work is very important. Let's talk about something. Uh, let's, let's be more positive. Let me put it that way, right? So you mentioned that you don't have to give up your cultural cuisine, but I assume 
that at least for me, it was beneficial for me to do some kind of modification, right? So like when you're talking to your clients, don't give away the secret sauce because people pay you for this, right? So give us a little bit, but don't give us all. But like, what is something that you tell your clients to kind of get them over this fact or this fear of that? Oh, my body is wrong. My cuisine is wrong. I'm just going to be like this forever. Like, what are some things you tell them to let them know, like, you can do this? Yeah. So I work on different aspects. And the first thing I'm going to do is, you know, there is that what I do on social media and there is the work I do with clients. And then it's going to be much more individual. It's about finding an eating style that is that is compatible with their lifestyle that they can do for a long time without feeling burned out or feeling they're forcing themselves. And so I would say the first step for me is always about addressing the toxic messages they believe in. Because even if, so you know, on my page, I, I talk about some, right? But there are so many much more and they need to be aware of that those behaviors they have, for example, I mean, not eating after 8 p.m., let's say, if you finish work at, I don't know, you have two jobs, you finish work at, at 6 p.m., you can't, you you're going to have to eat after 6 p.m., right? And so <clears throat> this is, so for example, those rules are I cannot eat more if I eat one more than one sweet a day or if I eat one, I'm the wor worst person on earth. Or if I cut carbs, um, understanding that if you cut carbs, you're going to actually binge on them or it's going to fire back in overeating. And so understanding all those small things, those those rules that they follow is going to be the first step so that they understand. We discuss about that. Though it's, it's a lot of work because sometimes they don't agree. And even a lot of people in my program, they're telling me that they start my program and say, you know, a lot of things you say, you're really challenging me. I don't agree with everything, but I'm curious because I want to know what else I don't know. Because And so it's about... and. What's worked for someone doesn't work for another one. So it's about understanding this. Then it's about understanding how your body works, how you know how you are with your hunger, with your fullness, because we're all different. We all have different needs. So you are, so you know, you know, we are in a world of food abundance. Food is everywhere, right? And there is good food everywhere. But people who are able to build eating habits and be what I say competent eaters are people who really know their needs and know actually who can see food, eat it if they want to but don't feel they have to eat it. Don't feel they have to finish a serving size if they don't yeah. want to. And so it's, I'm trying to teach them this and to teach them to trust themselves, to, to that their body knows and that boring, like feeling that you have to drink water when you're hungry, when you actually need to eat is not a good stress strategy. <laughs> so this is, this is how I work. And of course, when we talk, I always start with this. And then gradually I start, using more the food they enjoy. So it can be food of the African diaspora, it can be other foods, because I want them really to see food as something to that is going to be something enjoyable, like not something to fear, because a lot of them, they really have a, a love-hate relationship with food. They love it, but they hate it. Like they feel like the cause of all their problems. And so I'm really trying to encourage them to see food as something that this is actually, it can make you feel good, but you're going to have to understand what makes you feel good. You know what I mean? Oh, I get it. I yeah. No, I get it. I get it 100%. I, I, as soon as I saw your Instagram account, especially with my, you know, what, what I just shared, just leaving the doctor's office and she's a black woman, right? So it's not like, and we went to high school together. So I know she's not trying to harm me, but she's not a nutritionist. She's not a dietitian. So she's just repeating what has been told to her is you know a way to to fight uh you know diabetes or hypertension or all these other things so i don't fault her for what she said i'm i'm just 
I'm thankful that the universe brought you to me via the internet <laughs> so that I can realize like there's another way to do this where I don't feel like I'm starving myself or giving up on my culture. But with that being said, is it difficult for you to get black people to sign up for your services, right? People probably think they take eating for granted, right? Like it's like, oh, I mean, I'll just eat less sugar or I'll just eat less bread. I don't need nobody to pay. I don't pay nobody to do all that. So like, how has it been trying to get our people, you know, along for the ride? Uh, I love that question. That's actually the first time someone is asking me that. I, I appreciate you asking this. Um, is so what I've noticed is that the more I was myself and the more I was really talking about the topic I wanted to talk, the more I actually attract clients. So you, you started following me five months ago, but if you go down, down and down, you will see my first post where you, you, know, you mentioned that I'm able to talk without the white gaze. This has been the most challenging thing I, I have to do, honestly, because I'm so used to talk without paying attention to not, you know, um, to white people feelings, you know, and I want to talk to my people, but there are mm. things I cannot do. And even my own people, there are messages that they really believe in. So how do you, and so this, and the more I was honest and saying, okay, this is a struggle. This is not easy. Um, and trying to expose, you know, where, where is that, where are the toxic messages coming from? Showing how is, how this translates into your life. Like you've been on diets for most of your life. It's not working. And showing, you know, also result that this is what's possible. And people that were, you know, telling me, I'm looking at what you eat and you really do eat what you're talking about. Like you really eat bread in the morning and and your your plate looks balanced, but you eat your cultural food and showing that it's possible. I had, I, I feel like I was the people who trusted me. Um, and this is how I was able to have more and more clients. So for me, it's been working, I would say. It's been working. I'm also very intentional about who I work with. I don't work with everybody. For example, if someone come to me and tell me, all, all, all I want is lose weight, I will, tell, I will tell the person, I'm not a weight loss coach. I'm really more about helping you build consistency, sustainable eating habits. If you want to lose 30 pounds in, in three months, I'm not your person. I'm also honest with people, I refer. Um, and so I feel that, um, and another thing, you know, I talk about disordered eating in the black community topic that we don't like to talk about too much because food, you know, we enjoy it, we talk about it, but not, we don't go into detail and the mental health and everything. And there are not that many providers doing that out there. And they eat, like they are people struggling in our communities with eating disorder and disordered eating. We don't talk about this. And there That's is a real, little, a real fear. And you know, when I talk about fried chicken, people that see that post, but if, if I could share the DMs I receive from people telling me, wow, that I haven't eaten fried chicken in five years mm. you know it's real and like and people that some people get mad because they say I'm I'm, I'm 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 promoting unhealthy eating behaviors and like okay but I know who I'm talking to right and they are there and um so I feel yeah I've been able to gain trust um uh, because I'm I'm trying to be authentic and the more I'm authentic and showing that it's not an easy journey it's a little bit ugly people but you're doing that for yourself um they believe in, I feel like I'm trusted. Yeah. I've been able yeah. to get trust. Yeah. I mean, I'm not even your client, but I trust you. Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like for real, uh, let's speaking of that trust. One of the things that really made me say, Oh, I got to talk to this woman. She got it. 
is your mantra about decolonizing your plate. Like I love a catchy slogan or title <laughs> and decolonizing your plate just hits me right in the chest, bro. I'm like, Ooh, that's strong. Where did that concept of decolonizing your plate come from? Yeah, that's a good question. So, you know, actually when I started my page, I wanted to to call my page Decolonize Nutrition, something like this. And I didn't do it because, I, I don't know, I discussed with my mother or something, and she said, no, you're going to scare people. So I didn't do it. So I was really in that journey of being myself, not being myself, trying to talk about something. And so Decolonize Your Plate, you know, when you start putting all the things together, honestly, uh, talking about the demonization of our cultural food, the demonization of our bodies, how all foods, when they are, when we eat it, it's bad, when black people gentrify them, it's, 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 it become uh, healthy and, you know, fine. When you start looking at the history, um, how food have always been used as a colonized, as, as a tool of the colonizer to, to oppress people, you realize that's really, so for me, it was obvious and also coming from, um, you know, I grew up in France, which is one of the I would say king of colon the king colonizer for me, you know, they colonize so many countries. Listen, top three, <laughs> top three, baby, top three. <laughs> so I was, I so yeah, for me there is really it's, and the other thing is I'm coming from a generation that is we talk all, all the time about um, diversity and inclusion. I'm that, and I am that only black nutritionist in conferences I, this is who I am and I see it doesn't it's it's useless and I'm sorry to say that because I know a lot of brothers and sisters working uh, putting a lot of efforts but I feel it it's not working it doesn't help the people who are supposed to be helped it helps mm. the feel to feel less guilty about what oh, they God. do but it doesn't help and so for me I wanted something more radical because it's really when my clan they start they do that it's not just about food. I think it's something more spiritual, more, more deep. Yeah. Um, and especially when we talk about black women body, you know, um, and why we are, we, we, we are so, we, we put on diet at, at such a young age and why we think we all, all, all we can do is just be on a diet and work out. And that's what we should do to be considered worthy this is this is what it is like and for me it was very important because yeah i really wanted to, in my program to make the cultural the political this is a political statement decolonize your plate and i guess people who when they start my program also the profile of my clients are definitely people who are who know about decolonization who are you know right. who already <laughs> in the and it's also the people i want to work with i'm going to be honest like I, they, we start the program and i know they are ready to talk about the real thing um I'm ready to buy. I'm ready to buy a decolonize your plate shirt, bro. Like I'm ready to buy. When you drop the decolonize your plate merchandise, you know it'll be dope. You should sell decolonize your plate plates. I would buy multiple plates, bro. Like it's just to your point though, uh, Kara. Not only is it catchy, right, but it does speak to those who see what you're trying to do it does speak to something deeper than just let's lose 10, 20, 30, 50 pounds, right? It's let's lose the shackles, right? Let's, let's, let's lose the, the oppression and let's gain our sense of self and our sense of culture. 
And like you said earlier, I mean, one of the best ways to do that is through food. So I'm so thankful that I came across you and, and your work. I'm going to continue to follow. Um, and I'm going to continue to encourage people to follow you because, you know, I, I repost your stuff sometimes and people will be in my DMs like, who is that? And I'm like, oh, yeah, bro, you got to follow her. She's dope. She's super dope. You know, uh, if there is Thank something. You. Yeah, no problem. No problem. Thank you for what you do. I want to end with this question um, and then we'll wrap it up. If there is something that you could do, if you could just snap your finger right now and change uh, a misconception for black people about food, is there something that you're just like, yo, if I can get rid of this stereotype or this myth, or if I can get my people to just do this and snap your fingers and it happens, what would that be? I know I'm putting you on the spot, so I'm talking a little long, so I'm going <laughs> to think, right? But what is that thing if you could just snap your fingers and I want my people to do this or stop believing this, what would it be? Yeah, I have my two favorites. So it's that deprivation is healthy. So deprivation is healthy. Um, people that don't want it. So when they come to me and they see my page, they're like, they're happy to, to, to see what I'm saying. You know, they're happy. It feels good to hear. You don't have to deprive yourself. But deep down, they don't believe in it. They really don't believe. Um, and I feel it's very strong because it's years and years of message. It's years and years of police, of, you know, nutrition recommendation, of health recommendation. I'm saying that, yeah, the, 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 your, yeah, that deprivation is healthy. And this is really, you know, I'm going to, it's not only about food, it's about, you know, those, the thing women put at the gym, you know, around their waist, the waist trainer. Yeah, yeah. Like, no, yeah, th that would be what I would work on because it would help me a lot. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so if I'm understanding you correctly, number one, you want to get rid of waist trainers. And number two, you want people to understand. I want to make sure I'm clear on this. You want people to understand that deprivation is healthy or it's unhealthy. Which one? It's not healthy. It's not healthy. It's not okay. the solution. Is okay. that is is. You know, you, you mentioned about moderation, everything in moderation, but moderation is not built by deprivation. It's the contrary. Um, and that is very, it's, it's, when you, it's counterintuitive, I, I know. But what people need to understand, that's a secret I teach to my clients, is that when you actually allow yourself to eat what you want and you stop fearing food, that they kind of lose that power and that you start being able to eat in moderation. Oh, God. Oh, that's a word. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I interrupted you. Go ahead. Keep, <laughs> keep going. No, and, and that's what I call the deprivation setup. And I was discussing with that just Saturday with a client. I was telling her, you know, the food you really enjoy, you actually, I want you to eat that more often. And I know it's crazy coming from a nutritionist because you want me to tell you, never eat brownie. And I'm okay. I'm, I don't want that brownie to have that much power over you. I don't want you to fear. And she said the minute she started to allow herself to eat brownie, she, she, the first or two, let's say the first week, yeah, she was eating because it was a new thing. And now she doesn't care about browning. She's actually craving other foods and that's the thing. So we really, that that idea that deprivation is healthy, no. The body doesn't need violence. The body needs to be trusted because it knows what, what it needs. And that's very important. Wow, we're going to end with that one. That That one, man. So first of all, I need you to make plates, okay? Go ahead and start selling <laughs> some plates. And number two, 
deprivation is not healthy because you're right. Moderation is saying, I know I can eat whatever I want to. I'm choosing not to. I'm using my power to say I could eat a thousand chocolate chip cookies. That's my thing. Chocolate chip cookies. I could eat a thousand of them. But you know what? I'm just going to eat one or two and I'm going to be done with it. That. Wow. That is powerful. Uh, good doctor. Where can the people find you? if they want to follow you on Instagram, or more importantly, if they want to hire you for your services? So yeah, for now, everything is on my Instagram page. I'm working on a website. It's a lot of work. So I'm Black Period Nutritionist on Instagram. I'm also on Facebook, same handle. I'm also on TikTok, same handle, I'm everywhere, uh, but mainly on Instagram. And there is a link in my bio if you want to contact me. Um, it's the best way to get in touch with me. And soon, soon there will be a website and more thing because I'm trying to build my own platform, right? <laughs> no, I'm with that. I mean, listen, I don't give you a couple merchandise ideas, T-shirt, plate. I need you. I'm taking notes. <laughs> yeah, I need you to have your own platform because honestly, what you're doing, I think, is very amazing. It's revolutionary in the sense that you don't see a lot of people in this diet or nutrition space who look like you, who are telling you, bruh, Go and eat that rice. Go and eat that chicken. <laughs> Don't run out, but, you know, eat what you want to eat. Otherwise, you know, what's, what's her name? Adrienne Marie Brown. She says, and I'm, I'm, I'm super paraphrasing her work, right? But she says that in order to make change last, it has to be a pleasurable experience. And you're not going to lose weight and work out and do all those things if when you eat, it sucks. Like, you're just like, oh, I don't want any more kale juice, bro. Like, I don't. <laughs> I don't want to do that. So thank you for, for I'm going to speak for me. Thank you for helping me loose the shackles of how I was thinking about food, right? Which sounds crazy because I have this platform called Black Food Fridays, but you really have helped me just doing the work you're doing online, recontextualize how I think about food. So I can only imagine the benefit that your clients are getting. Do you want to, we always, at the end of our episode, well, we don't always do it, but we do it sometimes, and we're going to do it today. At the end of our episodes, we like to give shout-outs. So if you have a shout-out, and it doesn't even have to be a client-related thing, it could be the lady who helped you at the grocery store today or your son's teacher. It doesn't even matter. We want to end on some positivity. So if you would like to give a shout-out, I would love to give you the space to do so. Yes, I do have a shout out and I'm going to give a shout out to the fat activists who's been who've been kind of saying what I'm what, I, what I'm saying for a long time, but they don't have the same. They don't have the title, you know, um, they've been talking about this and they really opened my eyes um, because I was, you know, maybe five years ago, I would be maybe I would be telling people to eat kale, you know, but because I saw that work, I understand the shame, I understand that talking to people like that, shaming people. Um, not listening to them wasn't helpful. It really changed my whole, it, it really had a big impact on me. Very big impact. And they're doing an amazing work. Um, and they're not listening because they're black and they're fat. And I really, for me, like they've been a very, they had a big impact on my career and the way I, I, I coach clients. And I see the benefits of that. So I would definitely a big shout out to them and also, also the black chef. That the creativity, you know, every time I'm looking for recipe for clients, um, I'm never, I'm never, I'm always, you know, amazed by the creativity of, of of black chef. Even you know when you think about vegan recipe, honestly, they save the 
um, I do have clients who are trying to eat early, for example, less meat, and I'm like, what I'm going to do and what they're able to, to do and reuse our traditional food in a very interesting way. It's amazing. The creativity of the Black diaspora is, is amazing. And yeah, that, that's going to be my shout out today. And there you have it. This is KJ Kearney of Black Food Fridays. You can find me Instagram, TikTok, sometimes on Twitter, but not really. I don't really care for Twitter that uh, that much. At Black Food Fridays with an S. Anella Malik is not with us. She is at Feed the Malik. And you have listened to another episode of the Fix Your Plate podcast on the Eat, Drink, and Dine Network. Until next time, y'all, be easy. Bye-bye.